You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room Welcome to our In Conversation programme, featuring sporting heroes from the world of sport in general and past and present Yeovil players and supporters. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. It's your chance to find out what makes these sporting heroes tick, and also we get a feel for their musical preferences. To take you out of this place, someone you can lend. So sit back and enjoy as Three Valleys Radio brings you the best in local sport. Well, good evening and welcome to In Conversation. And tonight, I'm delighted to say we've got with us Mr. Marcus Stewart. And Marcus, well, welcome to the show. And uh, it's nice to talk to you again after all this time. Yeah, thanks, Harry. It's like we've never been apart, really. <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> you see each other and you speak to each other, and it's like yeah, happened. You seen each other a week ago, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice to speak to Harry. I can remember That's the awesome. first the first day you arrived at Yeovil Town. I remember it very well. But, uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, I digress. Um, Marcus, what, what we're going to do, we're going to go through your, your career a little bit and uh, 500 games and 250 goals at least, which is, a, to say the least, a quite a substantial um, input to football, I would say, wouldn't you? That's league games, is that correct? Five games, 500? Uh, apparently so, according to Wikipedia it is, but then we never know yeah. quite well, how good they... When it they... comes to club games, I think it's 700 or something. Is it? Or yeah. Inclusive. Yeah. Well, you certainly had a, a, had a good career, but let's go back um, to to you know when you were a nipper. When did you first sort of get attracted to football, and, and when did you first sort of start? You know, was it a school team or a, a local team? How did you get going? Um, where I used to live in, in a place called Hartcliffe on the council estate, every Sunday there'd be a, a roll up to this big green area between the houses, you know, yeah. uh, which was probably about the size of a penny box maybe a little bit bigger than that mm-hmm. um, and whoever turned up just played whether you were four or five or 14 or 20 you know that and then between that those players you kind of the older ones would pick a team that was pretty as even as it could be with the youngsters and the old ones mm-hmm. um, and uh, it went from there and it was first to 20 20 goals jumpers for goalposts kind of thing and yeah and that was it um and it started from there, really, on my local local green. And then, then we used to play street football against other streets. We used to come around on a Sunday when we got a bit older. We used to organise. Well, you couldn't really organise back then because there was no mobile phones. There was no, no. Twitter. There was no Facebook where you say, let's meet here. It was a case of, right, whoever turns, whatever street turns up today, we'll have a game against you kind of thing. Mm. Um, but it was a known thing about one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Um, 
because our, our green was quite a good green around the area so people had to come to us whoever turned out we just then we play a bit more competitive football really I mean I used to remember, remember them days brilliant there was no boundaries the, the ball, ball went into the road and it was a throw in the ball hit a car it was a throw in and, um, that was how it was there was no lines marked out it was just goalposts yeah. uh, which were jumpers generally if we could manage to get a piece of wood or some plastic kind of goalposts of some sort um, then that was brilliant because you had something to aim between whereas the amount of arguments you can imagine would, would have went on I don't remember them, but just because jumpers were a golf goalposts, you know, every, everything's yeah. over the bar, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, they, those were great days, you know, and I, I often drive past those areas all the time. Well, I have to because my grandparents still live there, my auntie still lived there, so I go and see them a bit. And it's yeah. nice time to reminisce. How, um, um, and then I remember my uncle, um, at the time, Uncle Mike, he, he said to me, Mum, you, you know, you you're not a bad footballer, so you, your son's not a bad footballer. ain't a bad footballer, so what about, about I try to get him involved in a boys' club? And I went to a boys' club, yeah, a boys' club, and then it was more competitive against other boys' clubs around Bristol. Uh, and then those games were on a Saturday, and then there was the club football, uh, where my uncle Mike at the time as well asked me to go and train for a, play, a team called Sid Valio, who were in South Beach at the time which was more or less the other side of Bristol for me from where I lived. Mm -hmm. um, played for them for a season, great, but then obviously mum found it difficult to keep taking me all the time, petrol money, and it was quite a long distance yeah. with work and stuff. And we found a club nearby in the same league called Witcher Sports, which was literally a mile away from where I lived. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to leave them for those reasons, but it was still in the same league, and it was a great, great upbringing. You know, we played some cup finals, played some big games against local derbies like you know local football it was great and that, that's how it kind of all began from there I went to Southampton so um, as a schoolboy so were these games the sort of games where all the, all the local scouts would appear and see see what what sort of talent was floating about the area uh, not, not as so much not as so much as at boys clubs but definitely at, um, you know when when, we, when it got to the league fixture games for Whitchurch and Sibralia yeah definitely and mm. that's where I got I think I was picked up by Southampton at the time. Yeah, there was a couple of us in the team, and we used to drive down to there when we were. Um, well, we didn't do, but obviously the parents did mm. on Tuesday and Thursday night, and drive down to there, and it was great. It was a great, great experience just just being there. I got I got released, which wasn't a good experience, but you know I always think that a lot a lot of good players are uh, have the ability to get through a bit of adversity and go again. Mm. I didn't know that at the time, but luckily I was one of those people that, that kind of had that kind of deal with disappointments. Fair old drive, though, all the way to Southampton, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, we were lucky, you know, my my, my, friend's, my friend Paul, you know, with, um, his dad, Ken, he used to take us down on Tuesday. Um, so, and then me and another lad, um, so there were three, three young lads in the car, and he used to take us down in the car on a Tuesday and a Thursday and bring us back as well. So, mm. we come, my mum didn't have kind of car that could get us there really and she didn't really have the time so yeah. Ken used to do it the majority of the times and that was our life for probably a year and a half two years along with trying to fit in club rugby as well as club football at the same time as well so mm. you know I'm sure there's, there's a lot of parents and young young lads are probably going through this now who will be listening to this and yeah. it's, it's yeah. tough for parents and it's tough for young lads as well because it's all new to them and it's a, a new pressure mm. and that's how I, it was for me really yeah um that lasted about a year and a half. Uh, to meant about was thirteen, I think thirteen, thirteen, thirteen and a half. Mm -hmm. And they decided to release me. So um, 
and then and then months later I joined Bristol Rovers. So yeah. Well, now it's time to listen to Marcus's first uh, musical choice, and it's Florence and the Machine, and what kind of a man? Florence and the Machine and what kind of a man? So you arrived at Bristol Rovers aged about sort of 13, 14 then? Right? Oh, yeah, about 14 or about, I it was, 14, sorry. Yeah, yeah. About 14. And, and always, yeah, always yeah. a striker? 
No, no, that's a good question, Harry. Very good question because I wasn't. I was back in those days. I was a left with left a winger kind of thing. You know, yeah. Four four two. Yeah. There was no four three three back then. It was four four two really, or or, or and a five at the back was a defensive five at the back. Whereas now, you know, you see teams play five at the back. Yeah. It's no more or less three at the back really with two wingers as wing backs. And, yeah. Um, you know that that was the formations going around. It might have been a four four two diamond back then, but it was all four four two or five at the back. So I was a winger really, and not not a wing back as such, but I was a winger. Um, and then uh, I was training with Rovers for a little while. A guy called Roy Donning got me there. Uh, he was also the physio, which you hear a lot of clubs. He was the physio, the kit man, everything. You know, and, yeah. and the scout. So he got me there. Uh, Bobby Gold was manager at the time, but obviously I was a young lad, so you, you wouldn't have known who I was back then. No. Ironically, I see Bobby quite quite a lot now. Um, but he was manager at the time. Uh, and I was obviously in, in, in the, within the academy, what, what kind of academy they had at the time. And, Mm. It was good, yeah. And as time went on, um, I obviously got given an apprentice as time went on. And then, you know, you're working with the first team a little bit. And I remember Des, Des Bolpin actually, um, yeah. at the time, saying, Marcus, you know, he'd quite honest opinion, really. Des, Des would say as it was, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he was ever. Marcus, you're not quick enough. Yeah, he was outspoken, that's for I, sure. I, 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 he needs to, need to be a striker. I'm going to try up front. Um, so he, done, he coached me quite a lot, Des, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And from that moment onward, onwards, I haven't looked back. I've scored goals at every level, really, since, since that age. Mm. Um, that would have been about 16, you know, when I joined as a scholar, really. But before that, with England under-15s, um, schoolboys, I was a winger for them. When yeah. I played against Brazil and Italy and teams like that, and Switzerland and Germany and Germany and the, the big stadium. Being 15 years old, going to places like that was great, but I was a winger back then. Come back from them there, and from a year later, I was a striker, and I've been a striker ever since. And so uh, I kind of knew the role of a winger. You, you know, must have, um, you know, at, at that time, though, you must have been thinking, yeah, hang on, you know, playing for England, uh, I could be a, a proper professional footballer here. You know, it must have been quite an exciting you know, time for you. I didn't, I never thought that, uh, no? Harry. I never thought I've, I've, you know, I was on the path to being, you know, I'm in a good career, but I never actually ever thought that I was going to be a professional. I, I knew I, was, I wanted to be a professional football player, but I never thought I would be, mm. even at 15. You know, there was a long way to go. And like I say, I didn't realise these sort of things at the time. No. Um, I wanted to be one, but... But didn't, didn't no, play him for England? I sort didn't of... think it was a give me, just because I played for England, I didn't think it was a give me to be one. No. no. Not, not, not whatsoever, no. You know, because after that, it was a lot of change. Yeah. And, uh, for me, for personally, to to, to to go into a striker, so I just wanted to play at the best level I could at the time. And as it happened, it was England. Then, then it was the scholarship as a as a, as a striker. And then you know, I got a pro. So um, you know that that's a, obviously a very proud moment for everyone. And yeah. For Bristol, I think Bristol Rovers for giving me that opportunity because I don't think it's one coach throughout your career. I don't think it's one team throughout your career there's different moments in your career that you really appreciate in Bristol Rovers at that time I appreciated the, f the fact that he gave me a chance to go there as an academy mm. and Jerry Francis signing me on as a first pro because that was a key moment key moment in my career there's no doubt about that um, 
but also the key moment is does Bolton change him into a striker you know, yeah it's that simple well, according to Wikipedia, that was 1991 to 1996 you were at Bristol Rovers, 171 appearances, yeah. they reckon. Um, uh, at what point did you actually sort of start playing regular first-team football? Straight away. Straight away? I remember Carl, yeah, I mean, at the end of, it was my last year, as, it was my last year as a second-year apprentice scholarship, it'd be now. Um, um and at the end of the season, Carl Saunders got sent off. Mm. I then got given a pro. So at the start of the next season, which would have made me a first-year professional, I'm obviously training with the first team for the first time as a young pro, along with three or four other younger lads, um, Lee Madison, Lee Archer, from the same kind of group. Mm-hmm. And it's all new for us. And then we go through pre-season, and then all of a sudden, Carl's, Carl's out for the first three games, and Martin Dobson picked me to play. To, mm. in, in his place which um, I was delighted with um, so yeah you know one door shuts for someone for whatever reason and mm. the one opens yes. I don't know how many appearances I made that season but that was in the, the old Division 2 yeah um, so which is obviously the championship now mm. so that was a good level to be starting my career at and playing games and I, I must have made I don't know I, I don't know the top of my head Harry but I would say between 10 and 20 appearances that season as an, an 18 year old in, in yeah. Division 2 yeah um uh, so yeah, it was it was a yeah great season really. I mean, and, and the goals know, obviously they started flowing according to this. I mean, you scored fifty seven according to this at Bristol Rovers, which is you know not exactly a small number, is it? No, I mean, I mean the, the, the first year I was now I've been a coach for ten twelve years. You know, I, I think strikers need time to kind of to mature a bit more, a bit more time than maybe other. Um, um, players on the pitch maybe not, not a goalkeeper but um, not far off it you know because at the end of the day if you could give that one person an extra year to mature you've got potential double your money on any other player that's on the pitch because the strikers um, get clubs money simple as that more money than other players if if, um, if you're going to sell them so um, yeah and I, I, I matured a bit, I think about 2022 20, I think I started scoring goals yeah but you know, for two or three years, I was bit in and out, really, and then it just clicked. And a bit of hard work, good coaching, good advice, and went from there, really. And one or two, one or two injuries, but nothing joint-wise, you know, ligaments and stuff like that. It was just hamstrings or a broken nose. So yeah, it was took me a bit of a while, but I was I was in and around the first team from the time I was eighteen. So. So, next musical choice is The Greatest Showman and From Now On.
from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight? Tonight, let this promise in me start like an anthem. From now on, from now on, I drink champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name. But those are someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers. A crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for.
There we go, a bit of a slow start, but that was the greatest showman, and from now on. So, Bristol Rovers, you then moved on in 1996 to Huddersfield Town. Tell me about yep. that. How did that come about, and uh, did you enjoy your time there? Well, you need to read Ian Holloway's book, Harry, because it's in there. Yeah. <laughs> and he describes it brilliantly. And I don't, I think when I, I actually read his book in lockdown, um, and I, I don't remember other things that he said happened. I'm sure he did. It was just me being a, a young lad, actually just getting on with life. And yeah, <laughs> so it's pretty good. I remember it as um, I think it was John Ward left the, towards the end of the season or the, at the end of that season. Ian Holloway came in. He wanted me to stay. I knew in my heart of hearts I've had four good years at Rovers as a pro, five good years as a pro. And it was time to kind of do something different to play at a higher level. Rovers were in league, league. It might be it might be League One then. I don't I don't remember whether it was League One or Division Three. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to play, go back into Division Two because we got relegated while I was there as a young lad. So I wanted to go back in Division Two slash champion, Championship at the time. So um, I had a chat with Ian, and I think he understood where I was coming from. Um, I hope he did anyway because you know he obviously he moved on from Bristol went to QPR so uh, but obviously as a manager he wanted me to stay and keep me there but it was I just knew it was time to go so um, yeah I ended up going to Huddersfield really it was it was it was it was it was, it was all academic um, uh, and it was good uh, amicable sorry not academic amicable so it was it was all good and mm. yeah and like, it was just one of those times I just knew. Uh, and I have a, I have a good, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it stems from experience, but I have a good, I know when it's time to do something and when it's time not to. Hmm. And that was one of, one of the first times I just kind of realised now it's time to get out of Bristol. You yeah. know, been, been here all your life, it's time to go and sample something else. I didn't know where it was going to be, I knew there was rumours of Sheffield Wednesday, um, but I didn't know where it was going to be. Um, so yeah, Huddersfield was a great place and one of those reasons why I went to Huddersfield was because obviously Brian Horton was a manager at the time but a guy called Dennis Dennis Booth who was uh, John Moore's assistant manager at Bristol Rovers while I was there as a young lad oh right yeah um, so Dennis was now assistant for Brian Horton at Huddersfield and you know he was one of the main reasons really because I, I liked his character I liked the kind of work he'd done with me looked after me kind of told me as it was but in a friendly way he wasn't a dictator, that's for sure. Hmm. But he'd get his point across if he wasn't happy with you. Uh, and it'd be more of a personal one-to-one if that but if that was the case. Um, but generally, he was a happy guy who, who, who all the players liked. And that was probably one of the main reasons. Um, I went there and obviously had a silver in the championship. Well and they wanted to push on. They were struggling at the time. And we had a couple of good seasons. So that was how it went. You know, and It's funny what happens when you know what coaches you, you you train with or play with throughout your career. What they they can have an effect on your future career as well, if, if mm. because they know what type of person you are. So obviously Dennis Dior was a pretty decent lad, hard working player, um, and both fit in nicely with Huddersfield. Um, so yeah, and I, I didn't regret that whatsoever, especially now. Well, again, 133 appearances according to this, and 58 goals. So uh, you you still maintain the goal scoring uh, record anyway. Yeah, and that was the highest levels. I'm sorry, that was a, a level up as well for me, the mm. championship level. So that that was 
what that's all I wanted to do was kind of work my way up, do good for the team. If I do good for the team that I'm playing for, then personally, someone might then pick me again to go to a higher level game. That that was my way of looking at it. I was never hmm. a selfish player. I never ever demanded goal bonuses off clubs or anything like that. I, I, you know, I, I wasn't that type of person. I was on the same bonuses everyone else was on. Um, and I was about just just get making that club better and make myself better wherever I went. To, yeah. Really, if I'm honest with you, that was how, that was how it was. That's how, I, that's how I thought and I've always thought. Well, clearly at that particular point in your career, you were beginning to be noticed because, you know, obviously, as you say, Sheffield Wednesday and, and as it turns out, Ipswich Town suddenly come in and you, you moved to Ipswich in the year 2000. So, um, again, you know, a move upwards, definitely. Uh, well, it's a strange one at the time, Harry, um, because, you know, I think I don't know who was where, but in the Championship, Ipswich was someone like third and Huddersfield was someone like second mm. at the time, or it might have been fourth and third, you know, but yeah, it was a top yeah. five kind of team. So there was a bit of uproar, really, and from, from the fans' point of view, the fact that they sold me to a rival team when Huddersfield are going for promotion to the Premier League, mm. um, they sold me to a rival team. So that's that's... Uh, how I remember it now um, at the time um, I had did I have a choice yeah I probably did but the way I looked at it was um, Steve Bruce one morning uh, got me in the office totally totally unexpected and it was in January and said you know before training I turn up in my car get my boots out my car go to walk in the dress room assistant manager comes up to me says the manager wants to see you a minute Fine, I'm thinking, what have I done? What, you know, what have I done? Mm. You know, that's the first thing you think, really, as a player. You think, well, yeah. go, something's going to come out or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and then walked through the door. All right, boss, how are you? He went, yeah, all right, Marcus. Fine, thanks. I got on quite well with Steve, really. We had our arguments. But you never, ever, ever um, would hold it to you again. And you'd be mm. forgotten about on a Monday or whatever the game. So I got on, I liked him for that because he says bit and then he wouldn't hold it against you mm. two two or three days later or a week later he still put you in the team or whatever obviously if you're doing well of course yeah, yeah. but it's it gone after a Saturday and I liked him for that so we had a good relationship with him he said Marcus listen I've had a I've had a bid from Ipswich and we've accepted it so he said if you want to go down now speak to them you can it was more or less along those lines yeah so. I went outside, called called my agent at the t- well, my agent at the time, and spoke to him, and he said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "Yeah, I do." And I had about two hours to think about it. And the <clears> reason why <throat> I said yes was because, you know, if I if the, the club, club comes to me and asks me if I want to leave, that tells me they've accepted the money that they've offered. They could have easily said to the club, "No, to Ipswich, no, we, do, we don't. We're not selling. No, we're not selling." Mm. But the fact that they were willing to sell me in the first place kind of helped me make that decision um, uh, and I was down the motorway that day must have been a different uh, sign from the next day I would have thought would have been something along those lines different sort of environment at Ipswich I imagine though to Huddersfield um, I would say I, the reason why I would say it would be different and the reason why I, I, I went to Huddersfield is because the previous two seasons uh, maybe 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 may have been free actually. Ipswich had got in the playoffs and had experience in the playoffs in the championship, so I knew they were pushing for an automatics place off the back of their history, and they still had the same players there. I know they just got rid of Kieran Dyer, but he kind of went 
and then they got me back with a bit of money so they make a good bit of business from their point of view um you know selling care for what they sold him and getting me for a lot less cheaper and i just knew they were they were pushing so that's well, another main reason why i went there because they had a chance of getting automatic promotion and uh, playoffs who who is the manager there marcus it was George Burley at the time. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, um, and he was great. Yeah, I like like George as well. So I went there in January, and you know, it was something I decided to do. A bit like I decided to go to Huddersfield, I decided to go to Ipswich. Mm. Both moves were spot on. I mean, made the right choice. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, and he scored some more goals as well. Twenty-seven, according to this. Yeah. So the goals yeah, kept I coming. And the Premier League. So it was, it was nice. I don't think I scored loads that season. Uh, when I got there, I got a couple of injuries at the start. I scored my debut, my home debut. Uh, so I made a away debut against Barnsley, which were Huddersfield's um, bitter rivals, obviously Yorkshire Derby. Mm. And then I scored against Huddersfield on my home debut, which was quite a weird feeling. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then, then I got a couple of games there. I got injured, but I, I, I managed to get back fit contribute to the end of the season which was as we all know all history but great memories more music now this time it's post malone and candy paint yeah yeah mm. candy paint with the white on top lambo doors or the woo up drop if you busy plotting on what i got kicking your door and swat you thought Hundred thousand dollars on the tabletop Half price my whip, same price my watch Got no jumper but I ball a lot Bitch on your stony, I do what I want Candy paint with the white on top Lambo doors or the woo-up drop If you busy plotting on what I got Kicking your door and swat you thought Hundred thousand dollars on the tabletop Half price my whip, same price my watch Got no jumper but I ball a lot Bitch on your stony, I do what I want Didn't know that was your girl when she gave me top Kicked her out the road, said thanks a lot God damn, I love paper like a Michael Scott I can do things that your man cannot Slide boy coming down, down, I'm hot Everybody say that I gotta be stopped Even though my final form ain't unlocked I'm so ahead of you, motherfuckers How you comprehend what you ain't understanding? Count a hundred bands and I watch your fanish Diamonds going crazy like they on the dance floor Got a lot of ass, nothing I can handle Flavorless, whatever, you should try a sample Baby, I'm the boss like I'm Tony Dancer Everybody tryna tell me what I stand for But you don't fucking know me, homie, you don't want war Candy paint with the white on top Lambo doors or the woo-up drop If you busy plotting on what I got Kicking your door and swat you thought Hundred thousand dollars on the tabletop Half price my whip, same price my watch Got no jumper but I ball a lot Bitch on your stony, I do what I want Candy paint with the white on top Lambo doors or the woo-up drop If you busy plotting on what I got Kicking your door and swat you thought Hundred thousand dollars on the tabletop Half price my whip, same price my watch Got no jumper but I ball a lot Bitch on your stony, I do it all. I've been rolling 28, hit the road. Hit the switch, up a suicide door. Damn. We already know your fans, bro. Hit my mama wanna ride the 
talk to me Nah, I know there ain't shit that you could offer me Take a second if you think about crossing me It lasts forever, you should try a sample Baby, I'm the boss like I'm Tony Dancer Everybody tryna tell me what I stand for You don't fucking know me, homie, you don't want war Candy paint with the white on top Lambo doors or the woo-wop drop If you busy plotting on what I got Kick in your door and swat you thought Hundred thousand dollars on the tabletop Half price my whip, same price my watch Got no jumper, but I ball a lot Bitch on your stony, I do it I want Candy paint with the white on top Lambo doors or the woo-wop drop If you busy plotting on what I got Kick in your door and swat you thought Hundred thousand dollars on the tabletop Half price my whip, same price my watch Got no jumper, but I ball a lot Bitch on your stony, I do it I want Post Malone there and Candy Paint So, um, two years at Ipswich then um, And then Sunderland uh, Did they come in for you? or did, did you know, How did that come about? Uh, Sunderland came out almost last day of transfer deadline day in August Hmm literally the last day so yeah like I say I, I thought it was the right move at the time as well to, to go there uh, we were in the championship and Sunderland were in the Premier League at the time so it was never a step up it was never a challenge playing with likes of Super Kevin Phillips Niall Quinn Kev Kilban today with you Julio Arca you know we had, we had a good team Thomas Myra goalkeeper so there was some really <laughs> been, been there and I just wanted to help them spoke to Peter Reid Seemed a decent enough guy. He's, he's come across like that anyway, but he was the same when he was in his office. Mm. Players liked him. Um, I liked him when I first met him. I liked him to the end, if I'm honest. He was pretty honest with me. Uh, and yeah, and he took me there. So it was never part of the country. I've literally gone from Bristol to Huddersfield, back down, well, gone Bristol to West Yorkshire, West Yorkshire down to Suffolk, Suffolk up to Durham, County yeah. Durham. So uh, it was, they were all pretty big moves in terms of logistical logistically yeah so mm. yeah and it, it was it was great great experience yeah was this um, more of that state of my life when you were at Sunderland was that the time when they did that infamous um, documentary series no 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 because Peter no. Reid sort of made made a name for himself did you see it? I'm sure you must have seen it didn't you uh, I've watched the first couple of ser- uh, episodes of it you're on about the one on Netflix no, no, I'm on about no, I'm on about the one going back a bit now when Peter Reed was the manager there and he was effing and going every time he came on the screen. No, no I wasn't there. That might have been before me. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't remember being involved in that. But I thought you meant the Netflix one. That's yeah, no, no, I've seen that one. But as you say, that's that's more recent, isn't it? Really. But um, yeah, but, no, but you, no, it wasn't part of that. You played oh, yeah. with some good players at Sunderland, though. You mentioned a few there: Noel Quinn, Kevin Phillips. I mean, Kevin Phillips was a sort of almost a goal machine, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Me, me, and, me and Toy Andre Flo signed on the same day as we, me as well. So mm-hmm. the club were making signings, but um, you know, after after about three months, Peter got sacked and Howard Wilkinson came in, and uh, we didn't really see eye to eye, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did dislike him. He was just that was how he was as a manager, and he didn't particularly want me as a player, which is fine. Um, didn't really speak to me loads, which is fine. I would I would do things, but. Um, that was him. He's got history, in obviously being successful as a manager. So, you know, that's how it was. Um, and then he he didn't last very long. Uh, and then Mick McCarthy came in, and Mick was a 
fresh and fresh air from my point of view because he treated me with, with respect from the minute off really and settled my mind mm. saying you're going to be the number nine and that was it really we were in the championship at the time so we got relegated he took over with about maybe six games to go so we were almost doomed and took us down but it wasn't him who took us down that's for sure um, mm. although he was the manager at the time and then we were in a championship and I was with Mick in the championship for the next two seasons yeah so and I loved it under Mick you know one of the best managers I've worked with I just loved his man management skills he was I liked him as a person I liked him as a man manager I liked him as a manager I loved his assistant yeah I can't speak highly enough of Mick if I'm honest and, and of those, Huddersfield, Ipswich, Sunderland, which which was the most sort of successful from your own point of view? Well, I'd I'd say Ipswich, you know, because we 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 got come fifth in the Premier League, we got into the uh, Europa League, which is now the Europa League, but it's UEFA Cup back then. Mm. Um, um, and yeah, they were great. They were they were they were yeah, they were great years. Um, but saying that, I would say second will be Sunderland because we got promotion first year we've under, we got relegated of course and then the next year we got into the playoff semi-finals championship lost lost the two-leg game at home uh, one away to Crystal Palace and lost last minute more or less and went to penalties lost on penalties hmm. um, and then a the year after we banked back again and won the championship so and then I left and came went to Bristol City so it was nice for the, the fact that I could leave the club which I've always wanted to do with all the clubs I've been at was lead the club on a positive note, and I did. So I was really happy about that. Yeah, yeah. And um, Bristol City was your your team that you used to support as a kid, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that must have been quite nice to go and, and join a team. You know, yeah. that, you know, it's a bit like me joining Man United, I guess. So uh, I can imagine it must have been always good. Always wanted to do it, yeah. yeah. I always wanted to play for Bristol City. I was going to watch him sit in the East End. Be dad, mates, whoever would go down there at the time. There's no online ticket. It's just turn up on the day, kind of thing. Mm, mm. Give them cash and get in. So yeah, it was, it was something I always wanted to do, um, and yeah, I'd done it. Um, but it wasn't very successful. Probably the least successful time in my career at a club. Honestly. Yeah. And I regret that a bit. Um, I almost wish I didn't go back, but I'm glad I did. If, you, if that makes sense, because I'm glad I did from a personal point of view, but on a football point of view. It was probably the worst time of my career. Yeah. 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 But um, you you went out on loan just for four games to Preston, uh, and then you yeah. ended up at good old Yeovil in two thousand and six, and that's where our yeah. paths crossed. Next up, we've got a musical classic in uh, Prince and Purple Rain.
Purple Rain there from Prince. So, how did the move to Yeovil come about then, uh, Marcus? Uh, I just thought, uh, uh, Gary Johnson's got me off his say Yeovil want you. Um, it was on loan to start with, wasn't it? Hmm. Um, and I just wanted to play football, really. I wasn't playing football, it was in the same league. Um, so, yeah, and they were doing all right at the time. So, who, that was, was that during Terry Skivitz's reign as manager? No, Russell Slade. Oh, Russell Slade, was it? He took the team to uh, to to um, Wembley, and who could yep. ever forget that night at uh, Nottingham Forest after a two 0 defeat at home? I mean, how did you, as a member of the team, feel when you went there, sort of two 0 down? I mean, were you were you did you really feel that you could get through on that night, or was it was it? Uh... Uh, my, my feelings on it were that so the previous two league games before the playoffs, they they beat us fair and square, so. And then we, we played at home and they beat us again. Or did we draw one of those games? Sorry, the league games, I'm not sure. But we didn't win anyway, any of the, any of the three, the two league games and the, the, the first leg. I think the first leg at home was 2-0, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I think they were both penalties, and, if memory serves me. Yeah, and you're thinking, they beat us. They've got the edge on us in terms of the games and they've got the psychological edge on us going into this final game. But I remember them coming off the pitch at Yeovil. Um, it was the first leg and they were celebrating with their fans like they won the whole the, the, both legs Yeah. so I waited for a couple of their players in the, in the tunnel and I got stuck right into them I went you f- I don't know if I swear now I got stuck <laughs> right into them I said you just give us me I just watched you I just watched you and Luke, I think Luke Chambers was captain at the time he's now at Ipswich mm-hmm. I just watched you and your teammates celebrate I'm going to go and tell my teammates what you've just done and I, I and I actually, yeah, it was him and someone else who I was having to go out for celebrating when the game's not even the game was won, but the, the, the tie wasn't won yet. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that put him on the back foot, but I, I, I had to say something because I was annoyed because I, 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 I wouldn't have let 
that was our players. I would have said something to our players, whether it was on the pitch or another day, because what are you doing? People want to beat you as much as they want to beat you anyway. You don't want to give them any more reason to want to beat you. And they just gave us more of a reason to want to beat them. Mm. So so that was that. And I, do you know, a weird, weird feeling. I had a weird feeling that we would go there and win. I don't, I don't know why, but I just did. It kind of, yeah, I don't know why. There was a relaxed feeling about the club. Everyone was fit. You know, Chris Cohen, um, uh, Aaron, Skivo, everyone, all your main players were fit. Mm. You know, the, the ones that you want in the spine of your team. So, you know, we went there and it, it, it did. It, went, it came back to haunt them. Mm. So, well, of course, yeah, they produced those t shirts as well, didn't they? The first time they've ever got to Wembley, which mm. is proud of that achievement. Yeah. Um, and. Go to go to someone like Nottingham Forest with the history they've got in Europe and in Division One at the time is somewhere you want to want to kind of show up, and, mm. and we did. Oh, it certainly showed up. That's for sure. I can never. I always remember the journey back in the bus. Do you remember the first port call was Tesco's to get some food and drink? Do you remember? It probably it was probably no food, Harry. It was just, <laughs> It was no. probably just drink. Trust, trust me, Marcus, it was food because <laughs> I was hungry. But no, what a trip back, though. It was great. Yeah. Great trip back because then I think you have a week and a half to prepare for Wembley, you know, mm. Blackpool, uh, yeah. which didn't go too well, as we know. But mm. to, to be there in the first place was great, but we, we lost. And so runners up don't get any recognition, and Blackpool do. So, mm. um, totally different game. Yeah, totally different game in terms of psychologically as well. Skiver one kind of right, Chris Cohen one fit. Um, mm. So missing him at Wembley, those type of players. Skiver was borderline being fit, but he didn't. He couldn't. But he was he was on the bench, and those two players are main players for us. And yeah, so yeah. Without those two players going into a Wembley final, and when those sorts of things happen, you kind of kind of think to yourself, is it our day? You know. Mm don't want injuries going into games like that if you can help it I'm not saying you're not going to get through it but there's a psychological barrier that the rest of the players the manager would know that we need those players on that day and we did yeah you know, yeah. You know it was 2-0 but we needed them and now it's time for the last of Marcus's musical choices and this time we've got Take That and Never Forget Sometimes stroll and 
Cause I look so high Love would have to see me Find in a paradise Wasn't easy but still There's a road going down The other side of this field Forget where you're coming from
Gary Barlow and take that and never forget. So looking back on your career at Yeovil, I mean, presumably that had to be the highlight of the whole period there, yeah? Yeah, what that was, yeah, and get a player of the year really as well, but support player of the year, and yeah, players player of the year. That was that was that was great at the age I was at. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, those those two things, the, the great highlight. Yeah, but it was nice to be part of the history to be played the first time, play the first time that you ever got to Wembley and play at Wembley. As yeah. Yeah. History. I know they've gone on to win there since under Gary, but it was nice at that time to do it to be the first one to get to Wembley. Yeah. Part of the first team that got to Wembley anyway. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the bus ride back from Wembley? God, you could hear a pin drop all the way back. God, it was awful. Well, that's, that's, well you, like, like you say, that's that's the difference of winning and losing. Now, yeah. you know, you, yeah. we, we, we win the playoff second leg at Forest and it's the noisiest place mm. in the world and then it's the quietest place in the world when you lose a game and that's, unfortunately, what playoffs create, the kind of atmosphere they create. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you, you were a successful professional footballer in your life and, and I look upon my time at Yeovil it was the best time of my working career I can tell you it was fantastic I I consider myself really really lucky to have to have you know had a position like I had and to, to go through because I was there for 15 years and you know I saw quite a few managers and quite a few players but but what a time it was great it was fantastic yeah it really yeah. was yeah it was but um, it. you finally you went to Exeter City um, three three years at Exeter, which, which was uh, I didn't realise it was as long as that. But um, you know, obviously, I suppose you could look upon that being the twilight of your career. But I mean, you enjoyed it at Exeter, didn't you? Yeah, I loved Tiz. Um, I played football with Tiz at Southampton. We grew up as we're the same age, hmm. and we grew up playing club football, school football, um, uh, and scholarship football against each other. Really. Mm. all through our career so I knew, knew of Tiz played, played at Southampton together when I was a schoolboy as we touched on earlier on yeah. he was part of that group um, so when he called me I was like yeah okay I had a chat with him he's very in depth with his the way he wants to do things I've got a good football brain really good one <laughs> but listening to Tiz kind of confused me but you know once he talks you through it and through it you understand where he's coming from Yeah. Um, and I knew they had a great I know they obviously just got promoted through the, by, by the conference playoffs so history tells you that if you get promoted by the conference playoffs you've got a good chance of going up a game from that mm. league Yeah, and yeah. I just felt like there was a good group of young players there and we're going to read off some names that were there uh, Liam Sirkin was, was young young 18, 19 year old Dan Seaborn was a young 18, 19 year old um, George Friend was a young 19, 20 year old Matty Taylor is obviously manager now. Was a young, nineteen, twenty-year-old. Uh, so there was there was so many young players that were going to that had the, the ability and the desire. Once I watched them train, but the ability was there to be seen. But the, the desire to train hard and just treat train as a game was a was brilliant to watch. If I'm honest with you, it was just mm. as, a, as an older player, that's how you want to see players train. It was like those young lads. So in pre-season, I kind of knew we had a good chance, you know, with the experience of uh, Matt Gill, now assistant manager at uh, Ipswich, sorry, first team coach at Ipswich, and Rob Edwards, who's now working with uh, Wales under-19s. So we had some good older players as well to kind of help them out and help them through and help them train how they should train. Kind of being the coaches, not the coach, but the, the voice on the pitch, really, for the manager and yeah. for, for experience. And we just we just done brilliant that year as well and ended up getting promoted in second place so we came run up, come runners up in League 2 so 
that was another good decision from me to, to do that, to get a feel for the place, a feel for the manager. Um, and then the year after, we did all right. The year after, we got, I don't think we got relegated, but we, I think we got relegated the year after, actually, we got promoted. Then we had, uh, yeah, actually, I'm not sure if we got relegated the year after we got promoted or two years. I think it was two years later we got relegated, actually. Mm. I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. But we um, we had we had some good times there, and some good players come through, and Tiz made his name from there, um, and he's gone on to manage some great teams. So he's not a good manager to play for, but for a lot of different reasons, I learned a lot of Tiz as as from being a coach because my mind was on it at that time. Hmm. Then I have done off one or two managers I've played with as a player, so hmm. he was my age. So you know, from Exeter, then you moved into management uh, or coaching management. Um, you know, did that come as a, a shock? Was it hard to make the transition, or did you feel that it no, was the geez, right time? Gary, I, I made the choice. I mm. made the choice to retire when I wanted to retire, which was away at Bristol Rovers yeah. for Exeter. Um, I knew I was going to. I spoke to Tiz about. It. I said, I don't want to play anymore. The reason I didn't want to, I didn't want to play football anymore because I was on a bench on the bench a lot that season for Tiz, and I was happy to be on the bench. And I always said to myself, once you're happy to be on the bench and you're mm. smiling, then you should be playing. And I wasn't annoyed that I was on the bench. Normally, if someone left me on the bench, I'd be annoyed at a manager. I want to know why. Yeah. And I'd probably get a bit confrontational. Um, but I wasn't like that. I was the opposite. And I was happy. And I thought, I can't. this is not how it should be. If you want to be like this, be an amateur. And um, I decided I didn't, didn't want to play on for that, for that reason. Tears mm. tried to get me to play on another year. Yeah. I said, no, don't want to. But I'd like to get in coaching, and that that was it, really. So he made me kind of a player coach, but I never played. Mm. I was, yeah, just coach, coach the tears for a bit, watching how he does things behind the scenes, learn me trade for a year or two, and then um, obviously I went to Bristol Rovers then as a coach. So, mm. and and looking back on your whole career now, anything you feel that you you would like to have achieved that you didn't? Played for England, mm. uh, and been a positive influence for the clubs I played at but we never achieved anything yeah so life's Huddersfield Bristol City but you must have been pretty close to an England Cup That's I would have thought weren't you oh it would have been close yeah but I, yeah, yeah. I don't regret I, I can't regret anything because I didn't do anything wrong but you know, I'm a very patriotic guy so um, to, to have played for England would have been nice but you did uh, you did in the 21 level and under 15s but yeah. not full full cap yeah that's what I was going to say so you know and now you're having a complete sabbatical and, and just, just doing some of the things that you've probably missed over the last few years and uh, you seem pretty happy about it. Well, the way I look at it, Harry, you know, from, from the age of 16 when you're a full-time scholar to then a first-year pro at 18 when you're a full-time pro, professional, you know, that's 32 years. Mm. Um, and I've, I'm almost 48 now, and I've dedicated that time to football all my life and I, at this moment in time, my family need me around. It's yeah. simple. So, for once in my life, put family first. Yeah. So, oh. I don't know how long that's going to last, whether it's two weeks, six weeks, six months, six years. Family's coming first for the moment until I feel it's, I've done my bit and they, they don't need me around anymore. Yeah. It's that simple, really. Well, good. Well, thank you ever so much for joining us today, Marcus. It's been very inter entertaining and interesting, and, uh, you know, I, am, I can only thank you for that. So, uh, thank you very much. No problem, Mary. Nice speaking to you. And you.
This is Three Valleys Radio, and you've been listening to In Conversation with A.D. Hopper. Stay tuned for all the local news and sport on Three Valleys Radio. Solicitors, the friendly law firm based in the heart of Somerset with offices in Yeovil, Taunton and Bridgewater with a strong ethos of helping those in our community. If in doubt, check it out with Pardos on a free no-obligation call or subscribe to our free podcast, The Friendly Law Podcast. For more information, call 0800 862 0442 or visit pardos.co.uk. Pardos Solicitors, looking after you, your family and your business. At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. 